We are a product of what we believe. And that's what I want to talk about, because this whole thing, useless theory or relevant worldview, you're looking at a guy who, who at one point in his life loved, I mean loved, to argue doctrine. And if I had to call somebody an idiot or a you know, lower form of human life in order to make my point, I didn't care. Whatever, and whatever I needed to do to prove my point to be right, that's what I wanted to do. Not particularly proud of that. Not that I need to confess all my sins to you, but that's certainly one of them. And, and that's what we're talking about this morning, because we are a product of what we believe. Beliefs shape our lives, our behavior, and, and, and really, beliefs shape how we treat people. And this is huge, and it's so important. And we often say, you know, we're living in a day now where we say, well, it's not really that important my quote-unquote doctrine or my beliefs or, or whatever it might be. Um, and yet, yet when we see people acting in a harmful and destructive way, we don't always understand why. Not that we can always understand why, but certainly they too are acting out of their belief system, whatever that belief system might be. So here's what I want you to see. We need to explore this whole concept of worldview. I tried to find out, and I did the homework on it, but I really don't, I couldn't find out where did this term first originate. It's the etymology of it, I don't know. Uh, Because somebody told me they thought that was sort of a Christian-y term, and they told me that, knowing I'm not real nuts about Christian-y type terms. But um, I don't know exactly where it started. But I think it's self-explanatory, a worldview, a view of how you view the world. Everybody has them. You have one. Maybe it's morphing, maybe it's changing, maybe it's doing this or doing that or whatever, uh, but that's okay. But we need to explore the concept, and I want to I just give you some examples. I think if I run through my list of examples of worldview, maybe you'll best understand what it really is, and at least where I'm coming from in terms of uh, for communication purposes. So I'm going to go through a whole list of things that are worldviews. Some will sound familiar to you, some of them, some of them may not, but I think you'll understand it. Um, some people have the worldview of being a Democrat or a Republican. Some people have the worldview that the government is there to take care of people. Some people would say that, that there should be peace at any price. Peace at any price. That's their worldview. No matter what, peace. Some people would say life is for accomplishment. That's their view of the world, just to accomplish, just to make money, just to be a success. That's how they view the world, wherever they are, whatever they do. Now, some people would say, on the other hand, life is just for fun. What kind of fun people to be with, too. I mean, you know, just life is about fun. That's it, you know. Um, some people think life is here just to make me happy. Life is about being happy. Some would say uh, life is, or you think that, that everyone here is out to get you. Huh. That's a worldview. They think everybody's out to get me. You ever know somebody like that? Everybody's out to get me. They're out to get me. Everybody's got an angle. Some, some would say their worldview is that all men are pigs. Yeah, maybe they run to something there. No, um, that's their view. Maybe it's because they've been hurt. Maybe it's because of for a whole lot of other reasons. Maybe it's justified in their mind and in some ways might be justified. But that's their view. Some people think life is just the arts. I learned a lot about that this week. I was, um, the arts. They have a whole way of viewing the world. I was with our artists, a number of them, uh, at, a, at, a, at an, arts, an arts conference at Willow Creek up in Chicago. I just went for two days, and a lot of them were there for four days. Two days was about all I could take, and it was good. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it was really good, and it needed, but it's a whole different deal. Art, artist, 
Artists are just, they're one, I'm, let me just say, I'm so thankful for them. They're great people. But man, they, they have their whole different way of viewing the world. They have, I sat at one dinner one night listening to artist jokes all night. Jokes like, uh, they like these, like, they, they have like a chick, like a chick singer. This is what they call it. This is not me. Chick singers. Um, do you know, do you know how many chick singers it takes to screw in a light bulb? One, because the world revolves around them. Um, do you know, do you know how you know, how you, do you know how it's a chick singer at the door? She can't find the key and doesn't know when to come in. I'm not quite sure I understand that. But anyway, um, uh, do you know, okay, here's another one. Do you know what you call a guitar player without a girlfriend? Homeless. Okay, anyway, it goes on. <laughs> they went through these things. I, I, I bet there were 50 or 85, I mean, 100 different things for dinner. All these artist jokes on each other. I mean, they're telling them on each other, you know, and some were telling They have a whole different way of viewing the world. It's a worldview. They're artists. God bless them. I love them. I love what they do. I love how they bring me, oftentimes, in an emotional way, just really into the presence of making me feel like God is there. I love that stuff. But they have, many of them, at least, not all, but many of them have a whole different worldview. Some people have a worldview that there's just all kinds of spiritual warfare going on. Everything that happens bad is the devil. Everything that happens good is God, you know? Rich's mic doesn't work. Well, it must be the devil. It's a satanic thing. It's the devil. Well, maybe it's just Michael screwed up. Maybe that's just what it is, you know? Not that he would ever do that, but, but uh, uh, he wouldn't. But anyway, some, some people view life as, as a communist plot. A lot of you don't remember that, but that was in, in, back in the day, that was a big deal. It was always a communist plot. That's, that's how they viewed life. Uh, some people view life as everything's a right-wing conspiracy. There you go. Uh, everything, some people view life that there's just all kinds of conspiracies going on, a conspiracy theorist. Uh, some people think that, you know, they view life that they should convert the world to their way of believing. That's the way they view life. Some think we, could, we should Christianize the culture. More about that next week, because that's, that's another big deal. Some people view life that way. Some people would say, you, you think everything is going to work out. Or you think you're a victim, constantly. Or you're a pessimist. Or you're an optimist. Or you're a fatalist. Or you're a case or a rust. Whatever will be, will be. Or maybe you think somehow in all of this, God is in control. That's how you view the world. Everyone has a worldview. I want you to see that. I want you to understand that. Everyone lives by their own personally developed worldview. Either intentionally and strategically or accidentally. They live by their own personally developed worldview. And, and here's what I want you to, to kind of get this whole thing of where does doctrine come into this and, and where does my, my view of life. I'm going to use a term. I'm going to get a couple of things just said here so that you can kind of build on this. I'm going to talk a lot about a mission statement. I'm taking that from the business world, how most businesses, most successful businesses have a mission statement. Somewhere in their literature, particularly for those who are working for them, they have a mission statement. Here's what we're about. I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you have, whether or not you have got it down in words and writing or thought through it verbally or, or mentally, you have a mission statement. What is it? Either it's something you have strategically 
thought through and decided upon, or it's something that just sort of come about in your life supposedly accidentally, although that's not really the case. Because here's the rub. We hear these things and we come to believe these things and then something doesn't happen and our whole worldview gets, gets kind of blown apart. For instance, maybe you were raised, many of us were in a situation, whether, you, whether or not you were in a church or not, that, that you were taught that if you live a certain way and do certain things, if you're a good boy or a girl, God will bless you. And I don't mean that in a trite way. But I mean, you know, you, you do good things for people and God will bless you. And you're taught that. And you kind of, yeah, it's not too hard to live in America and be pick that up in a movie or in a television show or in a book or whether or certainly in church, but even if you didn't go to church. And then, and so you, you, something happens and you do all the right things, you think, and then you aren't blessed. As a matter of fact, excuse the terminology, but all hell breaks loose in your life. And you're like, wait a minute. And I've had this question many times. I thought if I did this and did this and, and believed this, that, that God would bless. Well, this, is, this doesn't feel like blessing to me right now. What's the deal on that? Your worldview is shaken. And maybe your worldview needs to be changed in that situation. There's an example of where maybe the quote-unquote doctrine, the, the, the teaching, that's what doctrine means, the beliefs of my life, um, are feeding what I, what I live and how I live, and then they're not measuring up. So I go back and I think, wait a minute, where does all this come out of being? Because here's the deal. One of, one of the things we think about is we're going to change, hopefully. We're going to grow. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to grow, hopefully deepen, have a deepening relationship with God. But even as a human being, we're going to grow as people. And as a result, sometimes our worldview is going to change. It's going to morph. It's going to change a little bit and maybe grow. Maybe, you know, and here's the, and here's the thing that, as we think about this whole thing. And I want to go into uh, several things and show them to you here because this is really important stuff to me. Um, you need, I'm going to tell you this. I don't very often say this kind of thing from up here. But you need a relevant worldview or mission statement for life that helps you in your decisions, in your living, and in how you treat people. You need that. And if you haven't thought through that, now's the time. Socrates said it best. The unexamined life is not worth living. You need to examine that. What's your mission statement for life? You say, gee, um, to do good. Well, let's, let's do a little better than that. Let's think through that a little more. Let's put some, let's put some meat on that bone. All right? Nothing wrong with that particular phrase. But um, you need a relevant world view to help you make decisions, to help you live to help you treat people the right way. And I would even add to that, I'll say this a couple of times, to help you in your relationship with God. Now, I want to take you to the Bible and show you this. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you some foundational truths here from the Bible, from Jesus' words. That's what we're going to stick with today, mostly. It's just Jesus' words. I've got a couple of other quotes I'll show you, but just Jesus' words. Before I do that, though, I want to show you something very quickly. Um, I, I found this quote from a writer, and it's, it, 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 I think it's how a worldview is developed. And let me just show you this. It's from Frank Outlaw. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. That's pretty heavy. That's how worldviews are formed. That's how human destinies are arrived at. By... It starts with thoughts. 
goes to words, to actions, to habits, to character, to destiny. So, understanding that, how can I approach this in a good practical way, using my brain, sorry, got to do that, using my brain, incorporating wherever I am, or hope to be sometime, in my relationship with God, how can I figure all this out? Well, let me help you with this. First of all, you're not going to figure it all out today or this week. But hopefully, we're going to give you some tools to get started on that. And even then, you won't figure it all out. But I want, to, I want you further down the road thinking about, what's my mission statement in life? What is that? And I want to give you some thoughts to kind of help you build on that. But first, I want to go to the words of Jesus. And he talked about what we should build our life on. What we should build our mission statements of life our philosophies of life on. All right, and I'm going to just show it to you. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, These words I speak to you, this is Jesus talking, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when, storm, uh, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Wow, is that good or what? It's from the message uh, paraphrase. Jesus is saying, you need to base your life on something that has foundational truth, the words of Jesus. Certainly, I believe that. And, and you know, wherever you are in your own little journey, big journey, whatever it is, the words of Jesus, I, you know, I've yet to find anybody who just, I'm serious, I, I, I've yet to find anybody who just discounts the words of Jesus one of the things that some of you know this, that I do on a monthly basis, to get it coming up again this week, is a prayer group in the UN. And uh, in our prayer group, we have one or two guys who claim to be followers of Christ. We have a couple Muslims. Uh, have one guy who comes from, well, not more. We've got a couple guys who come from time to time who are Buddhist. And they're, they're there, and, and this, we're very, very upfront. We're here to meet around the person and the precepts of Jesus. And, you know, even the, one of my favorite ambassadors is, is, is pretty hardcore Muslim, but he always wants to hear what Jesus says. Always wants to know. Has a high, high respect and regard for that. And has he, has he become a person of faith as we would know it? He's Muslim mainly, mainly culturally, not so much in faith. Not sure where he is on all that yet, but we're there every, every month or so just to kind of talk about it. And there's always the high regard for Jesus. So whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you believe... Pretty hard to discount Christ. It really is. And I just want to go to his words and, and, and look at those words because these are foundational truths. Here's what I want you to see. I'm going to make three principles based on this, three bullet points for you to think through, and then I want to just uh, give you some things to, to help you with the whole development of this, of this whole, what I call, mission statement for life, personal mission statement for life. First thing is, is your life needs to be based on something other than just you and yours. Just think about that for a moment. Your life needs to be based on, 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 on something other than just you and yours. There's nothing wrong with you and yours. There's nothing wrong with you looking out for yourself and your family. But your life needs to involve a whole lot more than just that. 
And Jesus makes that very clear, and I'm going to show you more about that in just a moment. Number two, and you hear me say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again, because I think it's, I think it's imperative to say when we start talking about um, a relevant worldview, or we start talking about a personal mission statement, seek to be a person of value. Seek to be a person of value. Now listen, I've said this before too, and I'll say it, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to say it right now, and that is this, the people who are the most successful people in life, and I don't care whether we're talking about ministers, or whether we're talking about teachers, or whether we're talking about business people, or whether we're talking about athletes, or anybody else, the people who are the most successful are the people who ask themselves, how can I be a person of value? And if you want to relate that to your business, how can I be a person of value to my client? Those are the people who are successful. Why is that? Because they're not looking out for themselves. They're looking at how, I mean, from, I mean strictly from a capitalistic standpoint, I hope this isn't your only motivation, but strictly from a capitalistic standpoint, who is that person going to go to when they need somebody to really help them with a problem, a business problem? They're going to go to the person who they know is looking out for them. And the Bible teaches this. That's so huge. Seek to be a person of value. Third thing, is the life I lead consistent with my personal mission statement of life? Now, there's an inherent assumption in that statement. And you know what it is. That I have a personal mission statement of life. You say, well, I don't have that written down. I, I don't care. But do you have it where you can verbalize it? It doesn't have to be verbalized to me or somebody else. At least verbalized to you and to God. Here's what I'm about. Boom. And, can you, and, you know, maybe you're wordy. Maybe it's a paragraph. I don't care. I'm not saying it has to be a sentence. Maybe it's a page. I don't care. I just care that you have that, that you think through that. Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. So let me get, let me get you to think along these lines with me. And I've got a couple of other. I'm going to give you some quotes because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this again. I've said this a couple of times in different words, but I'm going to say it to you in the way that I've written it here. Whether it's written in writing or whether it's simply on the walls of your mind, you have a mission statement of life. You have one right now. My goal is obviously to get you to think through it, to state it, and then seek, then seek to filter life through it. And not just something that you happened upon because of your background, or because of how you were raised, or because of the circumstances that have, that have formed your life. All of that is part of it. But don't just base it on that one thing but to filter your life through the right worldview as, as God has laid it upon your heart and upon your life and what you are about. So here's some ideas. These are some things. What I'm going to do now is just give you, and before I go back to what Jesus says, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts that have influenced me greatly. And uh, I hope they will help you. These, they don't have to. And I'm not saying that you have to base your mission statement of life on these particular quotes that I'm going to give you. I'm just going to share two that have influenced me greatly, okay? And uh, maybe some of them you can relate to, maybe not, but maybe it, will, maybe, it will, maybe it will help you. Maybe you'll adopt some of them. Maybe you already have. Maybe you didn't have the same wording. Or maybe it will stimulate some thought to lead you in a different direction. That's okay, too. But the first one that I want to show you comes from, from a guy that may surprise you. Not particularly a devout that I know of, of a devout follower of Christ. But I'll tell you, better words could not be spoken. And Jesus said this. Einstein said, try not to become a man of success, but rather to become a man of value, to be a person of value. That's what I mentioned earlier, becoming a person of value. That's, 
catch to this is that's where success lies. Being a person of value. Ask yourself that question just for a moment. Am I a person of value? Do people feel more valued? Are others boosted along in the road of life because of my influence? Because of a conversation they had with me? Because of what I do for a living? Because of a, a, a happenstance running across me somewhere at a, in a, in a, on a walk or at a grocery store or whatever? Am I a person of value? That's a great thought. The other one comes from a great, I think, a great man of God, um, church father, as it were, St. Francis. And he said this, Preach Christ at all times. When necessary, use words. Now this is for those of us, again, this is for those of us who consider ourselves people of faith, who have crossed over that line and have said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. This is a statement that I really love. And it's a thought that I really like because I was... Raised in a situation where, you know, you kind of thought if you, if you didn't say the word Jesus at some point in your life around somebody, you somehow experienced some kind of guilt or some other kind of thing. And that's not the truth at all. The, the truth is how I live my life, how I talk, how I treat people should reflect who I am and what I believe. Preach Christ at all times. When necessary, use words. I hope if you're one of those people who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus, I hope that would describe your life. Now, sometimes people don't even have to talk. They don't have to ask because they know where you stand. And it's amazing how that works. It's just an amazing thing. So um, that's just living it. Now, I want, to take you, I want to take you to a passage where Jesus talks about this whole thing, and I'm going to make some comments about it because it's an important, it's an important passage as we understand this is what I call, uh, as we understand our, our mission statement of life, this is what I call in, in computer language, not that I'm a computer guru because I'm not, but, but this is, I, I do know what a default mode is. And this is sort of a, the default mode for all of us. Wherever you are, whatever you do in your whole journey, wherever you are in this whole mission, of, mission statement of life thing, somewhere, if, if you're one of those people, and even if you're not, it's okay to incorporate this. But if you're one of those people who, is, who calls themselves a person of faith, a person who's trusted Christ, this somewhere has to come into your personal mission statement of life if you have any value at all for what Jesus says. And as I said, you just you can't get away from this. So this comes from Matthew. Let's just show it to you. Jesus is talking here, all right? And uh, teacher, this is somebody asked him, this is one of his disciples, what is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a, that's, I call it the, the, my default mode. Because I often get into situations like you where I don't know what to do and I don't know exactly what to say. And the Bible doesn't really give me some specific instructions maybe for that particular situation. But here's sort of the default mode that I'm called as a follower of Christ to always go into. Is to act with love. Now let me just elucidate a moment on that last part. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean you love it? you got somebody in your life and, and they're... Well, there's no other way to say it. They're buttheads. Okay? What do you do about, what do you do about, I'm going to write a book sometime, The Buttheads of Life and What to Do About Them. Um, I just don't think it will sell in Christian circles. But anyway, uh, 
I was just kidding. Okay, just so you know. Okay, everybody catch up with me here. Um, what about that? Am I supposed to love some jerk who acts in ways? And I had a conversation after the 930 service with a friend who was dealing with some just real difficult issues with an with a ex. And, uh, and we talked about this very thing. And he, he, the, the question to me was, do I have to love what they're doing to me? I said, no. Heaven does no. Do you still, you love the core person. Now that core person may be polluted with all kinds of other stuff and the actions they're doing are wrong and hateful and malicious and, and all the other kinds of stuff. You don't love that. And that's not what Jesus is saying. I believe Jesus is saying you love the, the Latin term, the imago Dei, the image of God that's in all men, all women. You love that person, the core person. Now, they may have allowed so much crap to come into their lives that, that there's not much to love. All I'm saying, and I think what Jesus is saying here is, and my point is, you still love the core person that's there even though you may not be able to see it or see them. So don't get confused on that. Don't think that you have to just love and accept everything somebody does that's wrong because that's not at all what Jesus is saying. He says you love the core person that's deep within, even though it may be hard in some people's cases to see that. You still love that, but not what they do. But what Jesus is saying here is, listen, it all comes back to loving God and loving people. And sometimes how that works out, obviously, is in different forms and in different ways, but that's what it comes down to. And what we're asking and what I'm asking, really, is for you to think through is that for God to give you the ability to develop that purpose and that meaning in life, and this is where it begins. I don't know how it's all going to look for you when you start really thinking through. And this is what you got to This is the exercise. Most of the work today, well, I've done some, but most of the work is going to be by you, for you individually. You're, you, you need to get with someone, and I, you need to do it soon over lunch, over dinner, today, tomorrow, someone whom you trust. Hopefully that'll be your mate or, or, or maybe a close friend if you're not married. And just say, okay, I'm trying to figure this, this mission statement of life out. What is my mission statement? It, it, it shouldn't be mine. It shouldn't be somebody else's. It should be what you arrive at for yourself as God leads you and as God works in your heart. I think it needs to involve, at least be based on, what Jesus says is the most important command in Scripture. And that's it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what it is. God has to give you and me the ability, and we need to seek it, to develop purpose and meaning in who we are and what we are. You say, what, what, what is that all? Why? Sometimes people get a little older. And in my 55 years today, uh, uh, 55 years of life, um, that changes. But it still has one basic root. Do I have the same mission statement of life that I had when I, when I you know, started, thinking, started thinking about this in my 20s? No, because in, in your 20s, your brain's not fully developed, you know? It's a joke, people. It's a joke, okay? No, but you understand what I'm saying. You haven't had all of life's experiences yet. So it's going to change. It's going to grow. But we need that exercise to be able to stop on a pretty darned regular basis and think through, what's my mission statement in life? What's my purpose? What's my meaning? Why am I here? 
Will there be times in the deep, darkest hours of the night that you might question that? Yeah, absolutely. If you are a thinking person, you will. But then you go back to some of the default. Well, all I know is, and sometimes I've said this, all I know is that Jesus says, love God and love people. And sometimes I'm having a hard time working through that right now. That's okay as long as you're thinking through it and starting. Purpose and meaning. Mission statement of life. Have I said that enough? Okay. That's where it is. Here's the deal. I don't think you can do that without God. I don't think you can do that meaningfully without God. That's why Jesus came. To give us that bridge, to give us that ability to go to our creator and to be able to say, God, I need purpose and I need meaning and you created me. You gifted me. You know what I'm here for. Help me to figure that out. Help me to figure out in in words that I can verbalize, at least to myself and to you, God, what my mission statement is in life. Jesus came, lived, suffered, died, rose again to give us the ability to come before God, to be able to say, God, help me to begin, just to begin this journey of trying to figure out my mission in life. And all I can do is what I know now. Will that change in the next month or year or 10 years? You bet you it will. But I can start where I am now. And God will give you the wisdom as you seek him to, to, at, least, to at least start down that road. You need a mission statement in life. And it can only come as you pursue and deepen in that relationship and initiate that relationship with God. Let's pray together. Lord, these are valuable truths, and we cannot, we cannot grasp them mentally or spiritually or emotionally without the, I don't think we can without you, God. Help us to think through it. In some cases, help us to pray about it. Help us bring people into our lives if there's not someone that we can talk to, trusted friends or mates that we can talk to about this and be able to, to think and, and, and pray and And pursue and be diligent. Help us to be diligent. We thank you, Lord, for your love and for your grace. We thank you, God, that you you love us unconditionally beyond any measure of what we totally can understand. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we seek to, to figure out the worldview that will make a difference and give us the kind of purpose and the meaning in life that's so important. We thank you for that and we thank you for Jesus who gives us that ability to come to you. And it's in his name we pray and we thank you. Amen.